Give me a perception. Give me a perception scene. So triple four, that's 12, plus two is 14 with four stunt points. Okay. For, there's a moment where you thought Woldra had returned. Like you just, you know, there was something in the, the corner of your eye. So you look over and there's a shadow uh, along the ground that you can't make sense of where it came from. Like you don't see anything that would be casting that shadow. And so when you look around to see what's casting the shadow, the shadow just seems to like fade. It's like, it's not like obviously like the shadow sucked into the ground, but before you realize what it even is, it's just gone. Okay. I'm going to use for my stunt points. I'm going to use the object of your attention or uh, sorry, the upper hand. If your discoveries lead to combat within a moment or two, I get a bonus to my initiative. You know, it might not matter, but in case it does. But uh, Caitlin will kind of look around and, like, check the position of the sun and try and figure out what might have caused the shadow. And just, you know, starts wandering around the area, like, looking at where the shadow was from different angles. You actually give me an intelligence engineering. I do not have that one. Fourteen. It strikes you suddenly that if the Tower of Denmara was whole... That would have explained the shadow that you saw. But clearly it's not whole. So it couldn't be the shadow that you saw. But it would explain it. Huh. Like, literally out loud, Caitlin's standing there looking up towards the tower and goes, That's weird. Which is uh, a role player's way of saying, Hey, if anybody nearby hears that, that would be a great place that your character could possibly join in in the role play. Yeah, I was about to ask, did anyone else of the party happened to hear that and would like to interact with Caitlin here. Soon do his eyes like kind of open up on the, the shore and lifts his head up off the, this off the sand and turns. What's weird. <laughs> there was a shadow right in this area and she kind of gestures uh, to where it was, but there was nothing that caused it except, like, if you can imagine the tower still being whole, then the shadow would have been where the tower's shadow fell. But it was there for a second and then gone. Uh, perhaps I've had too much sun today. Again, Sundu kind of looks up at Caitlin and kind of gives that look that there's a, some comprehension, but also not. Having received that look numerous times in her life, she closes <laughs> her eyes. There was a shadow that appeared here. I saw mm-hmm. it out of the corner of my eye, turned and looked at it. It was there, and then it vanished suddenly. Oh, those are just the spirits. Nothing to worry about. It happens to me all the time. You see things all the time? Out of the corner of my eye. Well, yes, those are obviously, like, light refractions caused by firing... You know what? Spirits. That could have been 100%. Maybe the spirit of the tower was... Happy to have people here again. Spirit uh, towers don't have spirits. They're, okay, they're, they're not. Um, uh, they were never alive. Uh, um. Anyway, I uh, good luck with your thing. <laughs> so about Caitlin, that time, you hear a loud scream coming from the sort of woodland area that cuts off the campsite from Watchers Hill. Caitlin's gonna take off towards it because obviously that has something to do with the shadow which uh, is illogical but you know so caitlin and sundu definitely hear it uh weldorf yeah. and halver i'll let you decide where you sundu. are at this point sundu hops uh, to his feet and chase and runs after caitlin 
Uh, Sundu is wearing underclothes at this point. That's it. Para is falling behind. Somebody's following her with a drool cloth. <laughs> Technically, she's following that behind, but still. <laughs> so Weldorf heard it too, and I'm I'm definitely heading towards that screen because uh, whatever it is, it's not good. All right. What about uh, Halliver? I think Halliver and Melisandre heard something, but... Does the scream cause the, bl- the bread to go flat? <laughs> <laughs> no, ma souffle! Like, that's a thing, right? Fortunately, uh, it requires a, a louder bang than that to uh, deflate uh, quick breads. And you're um, working on it. <laughs> I would think they're, they're hanging out around the, the fire and, and the, the cook area. While they heard it, unfortunately, I don't think it's something that is... And Halliver's having a lot of fun conversing with uh, Melisandre. Um, he looks to her. He's like, what was that? And and she kind of, I don't know. And and you know, we kind of see several people run toward the sound. So we're like, well, it looks like it looks like a few people are taking care of it. I don't think the whole camp needs to go check it out. Let's let's stay here and, and make sure that the uh, the camp's going OK. All right. So the two of you watch as. Several, not everybody. I mean, yeah, probably several. not even a, a, a fourth of the, the camp is running that way, but it does include um, Weldorf, Caitlin, and Sundu. And about the time you get to the edge where the, the woodland starts between the campsite and, and um, Watcher's Hill, you see three of the other young adults coming out, two of which have one in the middle, and that one seems to be limping, and their face is just covered in blood. So right as they clear, they, they'll drop down and kind of let them down. Caitlin, as you get there, you can clearly see that their right leg is badly sprained, but there are just scratches, deep scratches all over their face, and it's just causing the blood to like, just it's like a mask of blood. It's all shallow cuts, but they're just bleeding profusely. All right, Caitlin will run up and like like almost almost like baseball slide to a stop next to <laughs> uh, next to the injured kid. And just kind of like looks them over, twisted knee, possibly some sprained ligaments, superficial wounds. Don't worry, head wounds bleed like a bitch. You're gonna be fine. And she starts rummaging through a pouch on her belt and starts pulling out some cloths and works on trying to staunch the wounds. I'm gonna make a heel check on them. All right, perfect. Oh, I love you, dice. My blue rose dice are very nice to me. So that's twelve, fourteen. That's seventeen. Uh, as a minor action with six stunt points. Wow. wow. So I'm going to actually use that with um, uh, stunned silence. You're so impressive that you leave all who witness your display completely dumbfounded and unable to speak for at least a full round. <sighs> nice. Um, and I also will, since I have, that's three of them, I'm also going to use and another thing. And just, and I'm I'm doing the whole, you know, I'm calming them down, talking that talking to them, keeping them very... Uh, very, uh, so they're not moving and making my job harder. What right. happened? It looks like you got into some really bad berry bushes or something. What, what caused all this problem? And I'm just using it to try and get, uh, get the conversation around to what the hell just happened to you. Right. So the two people that helped carry the, the other, uh, young adult out, they didn't actually see what happened. Uh, they just heard the scream. They were just closer. They were also picking berries. And the person who was hurt, um, who, uh, you know, you learn their name is Ovid. They just say they were picking berries and they thought they saw something like, it's almost like a snake, like something like darted out at their face. And so they 
staggered back and they fell down into the bushes, but like it didn't make any sense. There wasn't anything there. The the bushes weren't that thick where they were, but it just seemed like it was just like a an accident. But you know, obviously this is all through like tears and and blubbering and you know, their face. You have a feeling that, you know, their face is gonna heal pretty well because they're all thin thin cuts, but there is gonna be some scarring. Like this is gonna be something they're gonna have for the rest of their life now. After seeing that, Caitlin kind of like gets the blood staunched, but you know, there's definitely some scars. She's going to uh, tell, just hold on, just a moment, and she closes her eyes and she's going to reach out for our Arcana, and I'm going to attempt to use healing touch on them to, so hopefully the magic will close the wounds and not leave scars. Okay, that's a sixteen to cast healing touch. Yeah, that uh, definitely succeeds. Okay. So, um, Healing Arcana, it seals wounds and restores vigor to one wounded target. So I just did one D. They get three health back, basically. Okay. I'm mostly trying to use it so that there's not scarring. All right. Um, so when this effect takes place, there's like a calmness that comes over them and, and Ovid um, relaxes and is able to talk a little bit more more coherently. And she will share that... They actually saw several things before the thing that caused them to stop, fall back. They've been seeing some weird things in the shadows, but they just didn't think anything of it till this. Okay. You saw, was it like a shadow struck out at you? Yeah, I, I would have sworn it was a snake, but it was pitch black. Okay. And then, but there was nothing there. It, and where, it couldn't where have been exactly there. were you? She'll point into the to the wood line and the other people say that, you know, they're like maybe 30, 40 feet that way. There's a pretty big berry bush in there, but not far. At that point, Caitlin has finished like tying off like a, like a splinter on the ankle. It's like, stay off the ankle for the rest of the trip. Just get, get some rest. Uh, I need to go look at the, and she just like heads off into the woods. All right. Is anyone following? Oh yes. Wait, wait, what, what's your name again? Huh? Uh, Caitlin, I've seen you before. Yeah, I'm Weldorf. Well, you know, well, I, know I think most I know, people know me. <laughs> I, I know you, Weldorf. Remember that time you got the cut on your left hand that needed four stitches? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, yeah. That that was me. My my mother let me do. That was my first. Those were my first stitches. Your I appreciated first, you eh? not screaming. Oh, I'm glad it was your first. Eh? Uh, <laughs> let's go check it and see what, what, what's up in the, the woods over there. Yes, there was a weird shadow I saw on the on the beach too. So there's something going on. Sundu, do you need to? I I see you're you're kind of like you don't have a lot of equipment with you at the moment. Do you need uh, something by chance? I got like you know. Here, take my short sword. Uh, You can keep your little sword to yourself. I'm okay. Just gonna tackle whatever barehanded. I can handle myself. Thanks. Okay. Oh, okay. You know. Hera puts up a finger like she's going to make a comment and then lowers it back down and keeps it to herself. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sundu will follow. All right. So as you're going a little bit deeper into that, we're going to cut back over to Halliver. You and Melisandre are continuing to, at this point, are you baking the bread or are you still kneading the dough? Like, where are you in the process of bread making, do you think? We're in the, the bread might be burning in the uh, fire because the temperature control is terrible. And, I certainly don't know how to cook as as a as a merchant, and I don't know how much she's paying attention to what's going on in there. We're having a, a grand old conversation about our parents, about 
what she was interested, you know, why she wanted to come to the the camp out, um, what I, you know, all my adventures that I've had over the past few years, you know, I'm kind of talking them up. Um, of course. Yeah. So we're, so, we're, we're so, chatting away. There, there may be a, a burnt, uh, a burnt. So interestingly uh, enough, there isn't a burnt piece of bread. Cause when you do get back to check on it, you see that the fires actually died out. Yeah. No, we're going to have, this, this isn't good either start. What do you think? Either we need to start over or, um, well, maybe if we get the fire going again, yeah, let's try that. Let's right. try getting the fire going again. So it it seems to flare back up as soon as you give it a little bit of tension. You know, you blow a little air into it, add a little bit extra kindling, it catches back up, and then the moment you stop messing with it, it dies out. Well, that's there's still wood, there's still fuel. It's just yeah. the, the flames are like it's not like they're getting sucked away, but they just die. Like they're not getting fuel, but you can see that they have it. Yeah. Is the wood all wet? Why isn't this? Why isn't this staying? This is really strange. So we, you know, we try the same thing again, and it sounds like the same thing happens. Like we, we give it some yep. attention, put in some twigs and some leaves, and they all catch fire, and the fire blows, burns up, and then we step back. It is. This is not going to be a very fun evening if we don't have a bonfire. <laughs> well, I, I can think of a few things we can do without a fire. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, oh, oh, you mean that? Oh, well. But what about the rest of the campers? I mean, I'm game if you are. <laughs> wow. This, this, this went from like uh, a teen camping uh, comedy to something else real quick. Oh, it's going to be a clearly misunderstanding. That is not what she means, but we're going to play out the misunderstanding. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Halliver turns beet red. Um, um, uh, maybe we should try, maybe somebody else knows more about fires than, than we do. Do you want to go to the top of Watch Hill? I've heard uh, it's a great view up there. I, yes, I have. I've, I've heard I'd love to go. I, I'm sad that we won't be able to, to break the bread, but I still, I mean, I, I assume you were talking about, you know, we always tell ghost stories around the campfire and yeah, actually absolutely. with a low fire, that might even be more scary. That's true. I do have some berries. Maybe we can uh, go eat some berries up on, on, on the watch hill. Oh, I would love to eat some berries with you. All right. So, so you're actually going to go not far from where they are because you have to go through that little as it, sort of as like. As it turns out, yeah. And, you know, and you know, maybe on the way out, I'll say, hey, can somebody take a look at the fire? We couldn't. We couldn't. It, it went out. I don't know what happened you know, to the unnamed masses. Hmm. They'll react to that. However, you make it through. I'm sure there's a word for this. I can't think of it. Essentially there's like a line of woods that just sort of curdles this way. And on one side's the campsite on the other side's watch Hill. So whatever that little strip of wood would be, that's where you have to pass through to get to watch Hill. So you pass by very close to the others. We um, can call it a cops. I don't know if that's the right word. But... That's what we will Free use. Cosp. Cops, not cops, like cops, but cops. Yeah. Copes. Copes. Yeah. That'll work. Words. So I'm sorry. So back to Sindhu, um, Caitlin, and Weldorf. So you were going to go, try to go find exactly where um, Ovid fell? Yeah. I mean, we should be able to tell by like the trampled, there should be berries and there should be trampled berries and blood, actually. Yeah, it's not hard at all to find uh, just because the the blood, there's a, a lot of it around. But oddly, there's not that many briars in that area. Like there's not enough briars to justify the amount of blood or wounds that Ovid has. Okay, this is suspicious. I, I kind of look up towards the tower, 
And I just start heading that way. Okay. All right. So Caitlin wordlessly turns and starts leaving, heading towards the tower. Wait, wait sh- shouldn't we be investigating this more? Or are you suspecting something else? Uh, no. Well, I'm. So if you look, and she kind of gestures, there's, you know, maybe four berry bushes here. Average berry bush has 14 thorns on it. And she would. Ovid would literally have had to have been dragged face first through all four of them to get that many scratches on their face. And they reported seeing some sort of shadowy serpent or something. I saw a shadowy something down on the beach, and it all seems to be radiating from a central point on the island. And at that point, she also looks over and sees Sundu there. I think something's going on at the tower. Something like... Suspicious. What, what, what makes you suspect the tower specifically? Because remember, I wasn't there when no, you were. No, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I wasn't there. You can't prove anything. <laughs> Without getting into too many details, there's something spirit-related happening here on this island. And as the creatures only have spirits, trying to like fit her worldview into something Sundu will understand. I'm wondering if maybe the spirit of the inhabitant of the tower is trying to reach out to us somehow. It is the hundredth anniversary. Well, if we're going to look at the tower, at least let me go put something on. I don't like to deal with spirits in my underclothes. That's fair. Uh, I mean, quite a few people here apparently are enjoying seeing you in your underclothes. And Caitlin kind of looks behind you at, uh, (laughs) Yeah, what's oh. her name? Who's been trailing you the whole Para? time? So oh, yeah. interestingly yeah, enough, Para. she's no longer there. Oh, oh, Uh-oh. oh! You lost your, uh, you lost your admirer, Sundu. I, I didn't even notice. Uh, oh, okay. Um, does anyone know where Para went? No. Uh, if you need to go get something, go ahead. Uh, we'll wait yeah. here for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be right back. And, uh, As you so make you, your way towards, yeah. uh, I guess, your campsite, you also start to hear Cromar calling out for Delta. He's calling first to sort of, you know, Delta. And then after she doesn't respond, he's starting to get more and more loud. So he's starting to like bellow her name and there's no response. That's, that's... Uh, you're missing someone too? So yeah, have you seen Delta? Delta, what does she look like? A lot, a lot like Helm. They're, that's the twins, but much well, prettier. Uh, oh, oh, your, your sister. Yes. Um, yes. No, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her recently since you were talking with that other fellow over there. Have you? Have, well, so you walked out. So I'm going to assume that right now Waldorf isn't in view, and he's going to say she may be with Waldorf. Do you know where he is? Waldorf is. With the rest of the group, and I didn't see her there. Mm. If you see her, let her know. I, I wish to speak to her right away. And he'll just start calling off for her name again. He's just going to start wandering around the island, calling out her name. Sundu's going to beeline back to the camp, grab his leathers, and then also his uh, wooden sledge he brought with him. Tis the peg-driving sledge for the, the dock worker, but uh, makes a handy weapon in a pinch. Nice. All right, sounds good. So Caitlin's heading towards the tower. Sundu has sort of weaponed up and is going that way. Uh, Waldorf, what were you doing? Yeah, Sundu's uh, coming uh, back to the party, like coming yeah. back to the group. Yeah, we're waiting after. for Sundu. 
Yeah, and then we're all going to the tower. Okay. Um, so while the three of you are heading to the tower, I'll cut back over to Melisandre and Javier. You make it up Oliver. to... Oh, sorry. I don't know why I gave it a little, uh, a little too much sousson there. Uh, Halliver, uh, you make it up to Watch Hill. Uh, it's a very nice view. You know, everything's pretty. There's a nice wind blowing. It's, a, it's just a beautiful moment, beautiful scenery. You sit down side by side, your feet kind of dangling off the edge, and you're eating some berries. Yep. Yeah. Um, kind of strange about the fire. I don't know, but boy, can, is that our village over there? Looking out over the over the town, <laughs> you can see your house from here. Wow, just like just like when I fly into Chicago. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think he continues flirting. Nothing exciting. Maybe a perception seeing test. Perception is down there, so I have plus two in perception. Is that how I read that? And I don't have seeing. So, so if you have perception seeing seeing as a focus, you get plus two, and you always get your perception score. Okay. So rolled 11, two fives. I've got a two in perception and it's my focus. So that, does that plus? That would be a plus four to whatever you rolled. Okay. So uh, 15. 15. Okay. With, I guess with one stunt point because I got a double. Yeah. So if you're, if your special die, whatever your special die number is, if you get doubles, including that die, you get that many stunt points. Holy cow. So I have five stun points. Okay. <laughs> and there are times when they don't really make sense to use, but you're welcome to look at the menu. These would, this would be an exploration um, stunt. So anything on there that you could use. Um, so I, I kind of tell you exactly, or I'll tell you basically what you're seeing and then you can see if anything makes okay. sense. So at some point, uh, Melisandre is going to put her hand down like on top of yours. And there's that moment where it's like hesitant, but then I assume you don't pull away. And then before you know it, your hands are sort of like, you know, you're just holding hands still innocently. Um, And then she looks down at your hands that are intertwined. And then she says, what's that? And she points. And that's when you look over and down somewhat off this cliff face, there appears to be a bag, like a pack of some sort that's hooked on a branch about 20 feet down from the top of the hill. And you recognize it as the reverse pouch that he showed you he had the alcohol in. Wow. So I, I look at it, I said, I think that's Ravast's backpack. We were out picking these berries earlier, and that's that's his pack. I don't um, you, you don't think he fell and she's gonna lay down and put her head over the side and start like scanning to see if there's anything down there. Right. So I lay down with her and arm across her back. Um <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think so. I don't see anybody down there. But yeah, you don't see anything that looks like a body or any evidence of a body that had fallen. Yep. Boy, a bunch of these a bunch of these stunts would be great if if uh, I, I'm tempted. Do you think we should climb down there and get his pack and see if we can bring it back to him? She is very nervous about that, but you also get the feeling that if you could pull that off, she would be very impressed with yeah. you. I, I think I can do this. There's plenty of handholds along along the way here. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> Please continue. I need somebody to uh, fix broken legs on. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you can do it. Yeah. I mean, that would be a dexterity. Hmm, acrobatics, I guess. You're just trying to okay. climb down. Well, I'm pretty good in dexterity. I don't have acrobatics, but. Right. And, and if you have that. another skill you think would be more applicable. No, I, I think that's dexterity. I mean, that's pretty clearly. A climbing there is a strength 
climbing skill, but I would assume you would want to do it more dexterous version. I think that's fine. Dex, Dex is better for me. So that's a 17 with another pair of fives, but the pair isn't on my stunt die, so I'm not sure how that works. So as long as you get a doubles, it doesn't matter which of the which two of the three are doubles, you get yep. stunt die points equal to the stunt die result. Yep. So I'm going to go with advantageous positioning. Okay. Because if it's not advantageous to find his backpack, it's going to be advantageous later. Okay. <laughs> well, either way, you're able to easily climb down. You know, there's plenty of handholds. You're very nimble. Uh, you can get the uh, the backpack. It does still hold the two bottles of alcohol that he showed you as well as anything else that would be in his backpack. Uh, but there's no sign of him. There's no blood on it. There's no rips or tears. There's no obvious evidence for why it's here. Yeah. So uh, bring it back up. I uh, kind of confounded a little bit with, uh, with Melisandre. She's impressed with my uh, <clears throat> quick climb down and climb back up the, uh, the hillside there. And I kind of, Sly, I don't know how sly I am, but he also had this alcohol with him that he was trying to flavor with the berries. Do you want to try it? Hmm. <laughs> say, per, perhaps we should find him first and make sure he's okay. Yeah. He's kind of disappointed. Yeah, she'll, you're probably she'll, right. She'll lean in very quickly and give you a sort of a peck kiss on the mouth, though. Ooh. So, yeah, it's probably wise to try to go find... Ravast. There we go. Yep. So at least maybe go back to the camp and see if anybody has spotted Ravast. It's strange that he left this behind. He was very, he was very excited about the opportunities with his, uh, his berry flavored hooch. <clears throat> the two of you will make your way quickly in towards the center of camp, which is closer to the tower. Um, at the same time that the, the three of you are making your way there, you you're starting to hear other people on the Island. Like probably four or five different people are now calling out four or five different names. Uh, clearly, there are some so. several people on the island who are either missing or unresponsive. They're not able to reply, and it's starting to get not quite too frantic, but it's that energy is building. People are getting concerned because they don't know what's going on. So, with that in mind, what are the three of you doing? Caitlin, as soon as uh, Sundu gets back, she starts heading towards the tower. She's convinced that there's something there that is going to give give uh, the information they need to deal with this. So you arrive at the tower. There's nothing obvious. The uh, the barred gate that locks down the, the sub part of the, the tower is still sealed. There's still big, heavy rocks on it. doesn't look like anyone could have gotten into or through it. Uh, there's nothing. And there's just nothing that sticks out as obviously a cause. The people aren't there. So it doesn't appear there's any answers forthcoming. Hmm. All right. Everyone keep your eyes open. If there's any weird shadows that shouldn't be there based on the current light source, let me know. Hey, I'm we'll gonna search. Keep an eye. I'm gonna search around. As you say that, the visible light in the entire area starts to dim just a little bit. Uh, like a very sudden sort of storm is starting to blow in. The clouds are getting gray and thick, and just the the amount of light around you is starting to dim considerably. It's still probably like six o'clock, so it's not quite evening, but it's it feels more like evening within a matter of moments. It got hmm. like a light switch turned off or on, and now it's just dusk. That's not helpful. The dimming light causes Sundu to kind of squint a bit and look around and sigh again. It doesn't seem like it's natural dimming, correct? It's not like the day is passing. Something in the area dimmed. Well, no, this this does feel more like 
the natural, like what you would expect if a storm blew in, but it just seemed like the storm appeared out of nowhere. It's not raining, but like storm clouds just sort of appeared okay. almost instantly okay. overhead. Okay. So the, the light is normal for the situation. The situation isn't normal okay. because the storm clouds just appeared. Then Sundu's reaction is going to be more like a dock worker or someone that's from the seas. This type of activity would be very ominous. There's a bad omen. I think we've, we might've angered the spirits. The weather should the, the weather or... shouldn't change this quick. Starting to sound like my father. Your father might have some good sense. I'm sure this, you know, I, I don't think it's the spirits, but I, I do think this is, you know, this this isn't good, right? I, it's I'm a not bad like omen. It's, it's a not bad a bad omen. omen. It's like this is a storm. Who cares how it got here? This isn't good, but it's because it's a storm. Rain starts to fall. Lightly we at prob- first, and then very quickly turning heavy. We, we need to find the missing back. quickly. We need to get everybody to shelter, or build a shelter, and then find the missing. The worst thing we can do is get lost in this. Unless you think you know where they might have gone. I don't, but the island is not large. It shouldn't take the group of as long to search. I don't know if we should be searching, per se. It's like, I don't know. It's, I've been hearing a lot of voices, a lot of people calling out how many people are missing. Do we have time to search for everyone? We should be worried about the people that we know are still here first before we do anything else. So about this time, however, you and Melisandre will kind of come upon the group. Uh, The rain, just again, same thing, came out of nowhere. It's very dusky now, light rain at first. Now it's heavy rain. Just there's that sort of charge in the air that you think this could get even worse. So it's just like a sudden downpour. However... And Melisandre, and I assume most of the other kids are going to want to dive into tents. Are there bigger tents or is it all like solo tents? What Basically, was they're all solo tents. Okay. So he's diving into a tent with Melisandre. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not where I wanted to go with this. I think the Boy, other... So, you know, it's going to be a lot of yelling and the kids like, what's going on? Uh, you know, where's, you know, and then the, the voices about where's, you know, Where's so and so? Where's where's you know Joe and Bob and you know what happened to you know the kids that seem to be missing? You know are you know and then there's just people missing because they're on the other side of the campground, really trying to scramble and not not get wet. At some and I think what happens at some point is that it it's it sounds like it's going to rain. It's raining so hard that it's it's useless to be in the tent. And he leaves you know kind of leaves you know say, you know just stay in here. It's I'm gonna. I'm already getting wet. So he kind of goes out and, and looks around to see if, you know, does everybody at least have some kind of cover, you know, something to cover their heads so they don't feel like, even though it's totally ineffective. <laughs> at least like, they feel it, it like appears that m- the kids around here, they've all either gotten into tents or they've tried to like get like under like uh, heavy uh, uh, limbs and, and leaves of trees to try to get some, you know, some semblance of protection. And for the most part, it's gotten so bad you know, it's like just those gray sheets of rain that anyone oh, yeah. who was searching has stopped, except for right. Cromar. Cromar is still bellowing out his sister's name as loudly as, he's, as he can. And it's cutting through. You can hear him, but he's right. the only voice you can currently hear. And you can't even tell where it's coming from because there's just so much distortion. Okay. Um, so back to the other three of you. You were at the tower when all this started happening. What are you doing now? And the tower, the tower is a ruin, correct? Yes. Like you okay. can see, the it, it was like a typical wizard's, you know, circular, three-story tall 
stone tower with a conical roof that's gone. There's hardly any bricks on top of each other. And basically at the base is where all the rocks collapsed in. And you can, you can see like the edges of that iron grate that they used to lock down to get below it. So you can see parts and pieces of it, but it's covered with stone. So you can't, you know, you can't really get to it without a lot of effort. But there is a, clearly there is a space under the tower. Yes. Yeah. And then you would know this, like that's, that's okay. part of the common lore and legend of Dunmar's towers that she was buried beneath her tower. If we need shelter, uh, I mean, hmm. there's always, and then, uh, you know, soon do will kind of motion toward the base of the tower. There's enough stones is, you could like back into like a crevice and you, you could probably get some shelter from the rain, but it's not like there's no actual like building that you would be in either. No, no. I mean, I think Sundu is intimating that if we could clear the grate, we could go oh. under the tower. Gotcha. Well, it's, it's going to take more than just the three of us to get this done. But I mean, if we can get enough people here, it's like we got enough kids on here. You know, if we all work together, we should be able to clear the the rocks i would imagine what do you think i i think it's possible we you know we lift I, I spend my entire day doing this type of work so to me this is nothing new but you know it will take all of us it is it is quite a lot even if we can clear out just enough space to you know get move the grate we can try so you have enough manpower here with everybody, but it's just getting it organized. So we, I need a leadership role. So someone's going to have to like take charge, be the foreman, organize the workers and make sure that they're not getting in each other's way. So who, who would be best at that, either knowing what to do or, or rallying the troops? Like you could have multiple people like, like Sindhu tells Caitlin what needs to be done, but Caitlin's better at organizing people, however you want to work that out. That's actually the thought i would have would be that soon would be great at kind of being the labor foreman like you know being the, the lead laborer and kind of directing things that way but the actual like what's the smartest way to approach this is not soon forte uh weldorf or halifer mm. or caitlin who do any of you think you would be good at that between myself and caitlin uh i think caitlin would be better if halifer is close by maybe you know, I, I, I know that's not my, okay. my wheelhouse. Caitlin will be almost no help moving things, but she's good <laughs> at organization. So, yeah, I guess that would probably work. So what you, what you could say is we've put a team together. We have a certain set of skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, each of you brings uh, something to the table the other doesn't right? have. And, like, there could be some sort of adventure. Uh, Alphabet yeah. team, right? <laughs> Ooh, there you go. All right. Uh, yeah, Caitlin will start trying to figure out, you know, the best way, best allocations of manpower. You know, we need somebody who's the strongest. We need you to move the stones. Uh, then we, once they're off there, somebody can roll them out of the way and we can work on the grate, that kind of thing. Sundu's, I'd like to use the, the if, if I can maybe try to use a might focus. Okay. I have that as part of my character. It's a focus on might. Let me look at the actual... No, performing logical. performing feats of raw power such as lifting or holding up heavy objects <laughs> we found right. your so, wheelhouse so let's Hooray. let's do with the leadership first and to see okay. if we can rally enough of the other young adults to assist and then you can maybe be like the cornerstone of the effort okay, so, so who wants to make that leadership role that I'll do it. Uh, is a communications role i was gonna say that is not soon do forte <laughs> I'm okay at communication, but I'm better at like the logics, logistics part of it. So, how is uh, Weldorf on that? 
am okay at communicating. It's probably not my best skill, but uh, I can give it a try. I mean, you could also use deception. Well, I do have to, deception. To trick right? the kids into thinking that you have a plan, that might also work. <laughs> well, we have a plan, though, so we're not trying to deceive them, but I'm, right. you know, I, I will say, look, everyone, you know, gather around. We need your help. We, we know for a fact that it's safe down here under the tower. We just need you to help move the stones and stuff when I don't really know if it's safe under the tower, but <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I'm going to deceive him in saying it's safe and let's get this done. All let's right. See. Let's do it. Uh, so that's 13, including uh, my bonuses. So you're going to get most of the kids to help. There's going to be a few that just either because of their background, they're not really into manual labor at all. They would rather just stay hunkered down in their own tent. Uh, but for the most part, you're going to get enough people around that you think it's at least doable. And especially with uh, soon do if he can, lift the really heavy rocks that will make it easier. So let's move to Sundu and your might focus here. All right. No doubles. Actually, no, I got, I did get doubles. So that's wait. No, it's no doubles. Sorry. Uh, it's 12, six, 18 total. Okay. So I was actually going to set the DC at 17 because this is definitely a formidable task, but you did get there. So first of all, you're going to tell me what it looks like when you lift what is clearly the biggest and heaviest boulder off of this gate barring you. And then secondly, you're going to tell me how you respond when you hear cries from people below you, the missing people are clearly down there and they are crying out for help that you can now hear once you start doing that. Cool. Um, so I think you see, uh, I think you see Sundu recognize that one of the stones blocking the grate looks to be one of the keystones from the tower construction and moves to like kind of wrap his arms around it and squat down to kind of get his legs power, the power from his legs to start lifting things. And at the last second realizes that this might not be the smartest way to do it. So he actually <laughs> takes his sledge. Uh, he takes the wooden sledge and uses the edge of the sledge to kind of prop the edge of the rock up a little bit, like wedge it under to give him a better grip. And then he starts to pull that keystone up. And as he's got it, like he's, it's, I would say it's much like a, much like a power lift. Like he's got his arms down, his legs are pulling up and he's just using his back as support. And then as that stone starts to lift, you see the, the dust start to fall. You hear stones kind of falling away. And then you start to hear the voices coming from below. And it's almost enough to like scare him enough. Mm. He almost drops the rock. Wow. Like you can see him buckle. All right, but you do manage to at least get it enough off of the, the gate that if someone can unlock it, you could get inside. Does anyone have any ability to unlock things without the proper key? Hmm. Uh, I do, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I have lockpicks with me. Wow. I would wow. never leave home without those. You've been practicing. All right, so this is a dexterity lockpicking roll. So it's 11 for the roll plus one. Uh, and then... Let's see. Do I have lockpicks on there? I, don't, I guess it's not a really something that's a focus. You know, yeah. So, lockpicking is a focus under dexterity. So you get your dexterity oh, score, so and if you I, have lockpicking, that would be no. Two more. I don't have it. Okay. So, uh, so it was thirteen plus uh, one on the dice. Okay. So fourteen altogether. All right. So unfortunately, what happens though is Waldorf is not able to pick the lock. It is old, it is rusty, and it's a very well-constructed lock to begin with. So the difficulty for this one is quite high. 
Okay. But because of my class, I can re-roll failed block attempts. So hopefully at least my second attempt will result in something better. So 15, which is probably not, it's not much higher. It's only one higher. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's 17. It's a formidable roll. Yeah. So you're going to have to find another way in. Either someone else will have to attempt the pick or you're going to have to use muscle instead of finesse. Uh, you can hear the cries coming from below louder now. They're not, they're not like someone say, hey, help me, I'm stuck down here. It's more just like cries of pain and anguish, but you can make out the different voice that at least you recognize several of the voices of the people that were, that were missing. And in the background, you still hear um, her brother, Cromar, calling out Delta's name. He's completely oblivious to this is all happening. Sundu, can you hit that with your hammer thing? Stop. Hammer time. Sorry. (laughs) I can unmute and certainly try. Or you can't touch this. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Sundu will heft the sledge and give it a go. All right. So I'm, I guess you'll make an attack roll. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it has to do with hardness. I, it, there's so many systems in my brain, though I could be wrong. We'll leave the hardness alone. Probably. That's Stop for left, uh, so we're safe at this point. Yeah. Thirteen. Thirteen is not going to do it either. Okay. So you hit it. the The gate will bend slightly, but it resists. So I'll let you try again, but you're going to have to find another avenue, like some other option um, other than just hitting it again. So, so think perhaps, of another way. perhaps, you know, Sundu brings the sledge down and like the edge of the sledge, the edge of the wooden head of the sledge actually like kind of breaks off from the force of the blow because it's just, it's a block of wood really right. on a, on a big handle. And that particular edge just kind of nicks a chunk off of the hammer. And then Sundu will kind of throw that hammer aside and then he'll go pick up one of the rocks from the rubble. And instead of using the sledge, we'll just kind of heft the rock over his head as high as he can and just bring it down on the gate mechanism. All right. That sounds like a might focus roll to me. All right. That's better. Doubles, double threes. So that gives me uh, may not be enough. a stunt. So that's uh, 16 plus 2, 17, 18 for the focus. So 18 total. Wow. And that's not including the the stunt, which let's just for funsies. You only get yeah. stunt points if you succeed. So hang on. Well, yeah, did, no, I, did yeah. I succeed with an 18? Yeah, 17 is what you needed. So yeah, you succeeded. Whew. Okay. So we'll call that a mighty blow. So what does it look like? How do you see this transpiring in your head? Because you, you will get through the gate in some method once, once you're done with this. Soon do, like, you, you see him again. It's kind of like the power lifter's stance. Like, picks up this rock and then hefts it up. And it's that, that shift upward where the, the rock goes here. And then the legs cock down. There's one more pull that puts the rock up over his head. And then just swinging it down uh, with as much might as he can on the, uh, the mechanism for the gate. And there's a, this shearing noise, sparks and you know rock dust and a loud snapping noise. In my head, too, the, like the rock is actually going to break into a couple pieces itself from the impact. So they're mm-hmm. small enough, they'll actually like tumble down the stairs and roll <laughs> out of sight. So what, rather than maybe the, the gate actually being open, it's just it's, it's rendered so 
opens open, you can just go through it. Does that work? Yeah, that's fine. Perfect. All right. So you now have access. You can get down down there below if you'd like. Sundu will like kind of take a step away from the gate and like just and like sit down maybe back against a rock or some rubble for a second. He definitely has to re- regain his energy, regain his strength. Yep. It was a lot. Uh, lightning starts to mix in with the rain now. So there's like these peals of thunder and arcs of like, you know, perfect five jagged lightning overhead. Caitlin's going to start squeezing through the hole in the grate and going in. All right. There's, I mean, there's people down below who sound like they're in pain. So yes, yeah. well, we're gonna follow. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.